the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's not found in the nation that you're from. It's not found in your political preference. Your identity is found in who you are in Christ. And God's Word says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. The decisions that you make today will develop and determine your destiny. That's a central truth to our biblical understanding of the Christian faith. You have to decide how you will decide. In our rapidly changing world, how are you going to respond to the changes around you? I would tell you, That for those of us who look at the world through the lens of a biblical worldview, it's becoming more and more difficult. The world around us is less and less friendly to the things that we hold dear. And we have to decide what will be our resolve. Will we have courage or will we compromise? Will we make wise and right decisions Or will we falter in the moment of choice? I would suggest you today that as we look at God's word, how you answer those questions can be determined by how you answer these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Three questions that all speak to the identity that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. The year was 1992. It was a vice presidential debate. There were the two usual candidates, but on this particular year, there was a third, Vice Admiral James Stockdale, a 37-year veteran of the United States Navy, a POW from the Vietnam War. He was the vice presidential running mate of Ross Perot. When it came his point, to make an opening statement. He asked these two questions. Who am I and why am I here? In his case, everybody laughed because they were wondering the same thing. No one knew him. I'm not sure that was his best introduction to the American people. But for you and for me, those two questions are vitally important. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? Daniel illustrates that our answers to these questions reflect our identity and they determine our influence and our impact on the world. 
I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel as we begin this series called Courage Over Compromise. Daniel chapter 1. Let's just start at the beginning. Verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Now, before we continue, I want you to look at that phrase that you find there. The Lord gave. If I were to sum up the message of the book of Daniel, I could sum it up with these two words. God's sovereignty. I want you to be aware that our God is a sovereign God. That means he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's ever-present. There's nothing in your life that ever catches him off guard. He's never caught by surprise. He never has aha moments. Or as a friend of mine says, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? He is a sovereign God. He always knows. Now, what was taking place here? God had warned his people again and again and again. Return to me. Return to me. Return to me. But his people, the children of Israel, again and again and again, failed to return to him. Again and again and again, they turned to the world. They looked to find pleasure and satisfaction in the things of this world. And so, God did what he is accustomed to do. He gave them over to their ways. And so what we're seeing here at the beginning of Daniel is God allowing his people to be brought into exile, to be taken captive. I don't want you to miss that because sometimes the difficulties that we go through in life, the challenges that we face have been allowed to God by God as a result of the disobedience in our life. In fact, Many of you know and could even quote Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name, often that's used to speak to America. That's not a good use of that verse. That's out of context. That would be extra biblical. That verse is speaking to God's covenant people. So while it doesn't speak to our nation, America, it does speak to the Lord's church in America. It speaks to you and me. If God's people would call on his name and and turn to him, he would result in bringing healing to the land. But if God's people, and 2 Chronicles 7 teaches this, if God's people don't, God will always bring judgment. You and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, have direct impact on the world around us. Let's continue reading in verse 3 and 4. So Nebuchadnezzar had gone into Jerusalem, and he had... uh, Taken captive, look at what happens. The king commanded Asphanes, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is going to go into Judah, Israel, on three different occasions. On the final occasion, he'll destroy the temple. He'll destroy Jerusalem. But on this occasion, he orders his leader to bring back the choice children. Did you note that? These are young boys. We think about 
Daniel in the lion's den, or we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and we think about men, but it's important that you understand at this point in the passage, at this point in the story, these were boys, at best, youth. Commentators would say they were somewhere between the ages of 11 and 17. So let's just split it. They were 14 years old. What is God trying to teach us? I think there's something important for our land and and for the church that we see in this passage. As go youth, so goes the nation. As go youth, so goes the church. That's why in a church, we must be constantly evaluating, are we doing everything in our power to reach children and youth, to bring this generation of students along? Because if we're not, we're impacting our future. All you have to do is look around our city and see the doors of the churches that are closing because of the refusal to change to reach the next generation. I think this speaks to another thing here. We often undervalue and underestimate the youth of today. We dumb things down. We don't assume that they can step up. We lower the standards and they meet them. As Christ followers, we, could, we should be calling students, we should be calling this generation to step up and to stand out, to be their best for the glory of God. That's what these young men were. In fact, as they're described, we see the same attributes that are used to describe Jesus in Luke 2.52. You remember what it says in Luke 2.52? And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. All the things that you see described there in these verses, that's the same way Jesus grew. Now notice how this continues. Verse 5. The king assigned to them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. Now understand what had happened. These boys, these teenagers at best, were ripped from their families. They were taken into exile, captive in another land. Imagine what they would have been thinking as they go. They're going to rip our fingernails off. They're going to torture us. They're going to throw us in a dungeon. Who knows what they're going to do? And they get there, and the king begins to give them his food and his drink. They were educated for three years. At the end of the time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs, the same man again, gave them their names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Now in that passage I just read you have the key verse for all of Daniel. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved. Here's the question for you and me today. What will we resolve What decisions will we make today uh, that determine our destiny, that develop us into the people that God wants us to be, that shape the communities in the little corner of the world that we live in? What will we resolve? What happened next? Daniel said, nope, I'm not going to do this. Remember, he's a captive. He's a prisoner. What happens? Well, the 
The chief eunuch says, what do you mean you're not going to do this? If I take you to the king and you look pale, if you look scrawny, if you look like you've not had the best food and the the best drink, if you've not done what he's asked you to do, he's going to see it. He's going to know it. You're going to be in trouble. But Daniel reasoned with him. And just on a side note, this, this tells us what we should do when there's a conflict, when we don't know what to do, when we have difficulty, maybe with those over us, those who are in leadership above us. Daniel went to them and he reasoned and he said, no, let's do this. Let me just eat vegetables for the next 10 days. Let me do it my way. And then test me and see if it's not okay. God gave him favor. And so this chief eunuch, he listened to him and he said, okay, notice how it worked out. Verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave, there's that phrase again. Remember, when you walk through life, when you face those challenges that you didn't see coming, you have to understand you're not encountering anything that God has not allowed. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Here's the moment of truth. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all the kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. At the end of chapter 1, we see a little bit of a history lesson. Daniel goes when he's somewhere between 11 and 17. He stays until he's almost 80 years old. He serves in Babylon for a lifetime over the course of several different kings because God gave him favor as a result of the resolve that he had as a very young man. It all began with the understanding he had of those three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Daniel's answers to these questions are seen as he navigates things that every one of us face. And I want us to think about these three words as we just look at this first chapter, positioning us uh, to study the rest of Daniel and 
causing us to think about how we make decisions in this rapidly changing world. Three words I would give you that guide our discussion. First, the word change, then the word choice, and finally the word commitment. Change, choice, and commitment. Here's the first truth. How you respond to the changes you encounter reflects your identity and determines your destiny. Our world is rapidly changing. We are in what will be an historic year, 2020. Not because it's the year of great vision, but because it's the year where God gave us all two black eyes. I mean, we have walked through unexpected event after unexpected event. We are living in a cyclone of change. And in the midst of us, some of us are walking through personal change. Change we didn't expect. Change we we didn't know was coming our way. And how we respond to those changes, they're going to determine our destiny. Think about Daniel and his buddies. Ripped from their families. Taken to another land. Exiles. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're a foreigner? Do you ever feel like as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are outside of this world looking in? It doesn't make sense to you. You're a citizen of a different kingdom. If you do, then you get it because you are. That's what scripture calls you, an exile, an alien, a citizen of another kingdom. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims on a journey. And so that's why it's so important that you understand that this world is not our home if we're followers of Jesus Christ. Our answers, our hope, the ultimate help we need is never going to be found in the kings and the kingdoms of this world. Uh, Look at the components of the change that Daniel and his friends went through. First of all, the king isolated them. So they were captive. Even in this good environment, they were captive. They were isolated. And I would tell you that the enemy attempts to do that to you and me. I look back over my 51 years of life, the worst decisions I've ever made have come in moments of isolation. Now, I could give you the flip side of that. I think some of the best decisions I've ever made have come in the moments of isolation. But if we don't make the most of those moments of isolation, our enemy will. The king knew that as he could isolate Daniel and his friends, he could put them in a vulnerable place and cause them to make decisions that may dishonor their God. However, Daniel knew that character always shines brightly in the dark. You've heard it said that your character is like that tube of toothpaste. It's what comes out when you're squeezed. It's what happens when nobody's looking. It's easy to put on a coat on Sunday morning and to go to church and and act like you've got a relationship with God. But who are you when no one's there? That's the real you. And Daniel understood that. The king isolated them and then the king indoctrinated them. He began to teach them his ways. Do you see a pattern? Do you see where he's going? He's putting stuff into them that he thinks will ultimately change them. And that is what happens. I remember as a child when computers first became available to everyday citizens. 
In fact, I think I was a teenager when we got our first Commodore 64. I don't know if any of you remember that device. But soon after that, I began to hear preachers and youth pastors teach this principle. What goes into us like a computer is what will come out of us like a computer. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar understood this. Our enemy still does today, by the way. What are you putting into you? What are those influences in your life that are shaping you, that are beginning to form the identity around you? And then what happens next? The king tries to get them to compromise. You think Nebuchadnezzar knew that there would be reasons that these noble young men from Jerusalem would not want to eat of his food and his wine? He's the king. He knew this. He knew of their customs. We're going to talk about why Daniel made that decision in a moment. There could be multiple reasons, but I believe the king knew that if he could get them to compromise in the small ways, he had his victory. And your enemy still knows that. If you allow the devil to get a foothold in your life, be careful. Because it can become a stronghold. Those things you think don't make a difference. Those times you think no one's looking. Those decisions you believe are not going to impact you. Be careful. He isolates them. He tries to indoctrinate them. He tries to get them to compromise. And then he tries to confuse them. This may be the most intentional thing that he does. He changes their names. Now, for us, this may not at first seem that big of a deal. In fact, last night I I met some new friends and my little girl always asks people what their name is. And then she always asks them what their middle name is. She She always wants to know their names. And we were talking to this new friend. And this person said this, I don't know why my mom named me that. I don't even like that name. For us, names don't have the meaning they did of these Jewish boys. Not to bore you, but let me just remind you what these names meant. Daniel is a name. Dan, El, it means God is my judge. Hananiah means God is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means God helps. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Nebuchadnezzar changed all of their names and took out their God And he replaced them with false gods. So, Belshazzar. That sound familiar? Bel. We see a god of the moon. Nebuchadnezzar even gets his own name into one of these. He's trying to strip them of their identity. Why is he isolating them and indoctrinating them and trying to compromise them and confuse them? Because he's trying to change them. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. Remember, he's a thief. He wants to steal your identity. He wants to murder that person that God created you to be. He wants to destroy the potential impact and destiny that God has planned for you. When you encounter change, it will always challenge your identity. So I want you to think about that today. For these young boys, the king changed their names But he couldn't change their nature. We're going through a season of change. Has it changed your nature? 
Are you letting what's going on in the world impact you and reflect your identity in a way that doesn't please God? We say this often in our church, but I I want to remind you, if you are a follower of Christ, your identity is not found first in your family of origin. It's not found in your race. It's not found in the nation that you're from. It's not found in your political preference. Your identity is found in who you are in Christ. And God's word says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. The old has passed away. All things have become new. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.